Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, I have the big question I need to ask every year at this time. Is Virginia going to lose? No, we'll get to that Uh, in a second. How long did it take you to find True TV? I have, you know what's amazing about True TV is that every year we go through this. And every year people can't remember where it is. Like what is on, I know we're giving them, I guess, free advertising. I don't know what's on I I don't think it matters, but what is on True TV the other 350 days a year? Practical jokers. Judging, judging. See, just Brett knows what's on Judging by the commercials, not my demographic of show because it's and it's so hard to find <laughs> you're not the only person i have so many friends posting about how they're beginning their annual search to find true tv and i had just done it tuesday night for the temple playing game anyway so yeah I so just, why did why do they do it there's plenty of why? other stations Money? that they have <laughs> oh come on because they can air four games at one time now i gotta be honest i used to love when they did the wraparound into games mm-hmm but I do but enjoy. They don't do that. I do enjoy anymore. that that you can check in on any game that you you can. But Jeff, all right, you, so Jeff, ba- you got me somebody who knows more about basketball to talk about. This yeah, all, but right? I, I got you somebody who back in the day you would just to watch the one television, be fixated, and then watch this man win a national championship. Terry, you on the phone? Yes, I am. How are you guys doing? Yes. So it's great to have Terry Mills from the University of Michigan and now announcer with the University of Michigan on the phone with us to talk a little bit of the tourney. Unfortunately, Jeff doesn't think that I have as much experience winning titles as you do, so he decided to get me some assistance. Yeah, Terry, he went to Rutgers. Uh-oh. 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 Whoa, whoa, whoa. That, that, that's a low blow there. You got that right. I, Terry, I go through it all the time. Believe me. Just wait, to, just wait till the Saturday afternoon when Michigan plays Rutgers in football. Actually, you know, he's a person to ask him to think of it what do you, what do you think about rutgers being as part of the big 10 be gentle oh <laughs> oh man to be honest with you you know i don't um i don't know what other avenues or what other opportunities they had but i mean rutgers is just i mean basketball is getting real competitive i think that uh coach pike is doing a good job and they're becoming uh very competitive but you know i think overall they, they've got to you know up, upgrade their facilities for one um, and, and and then move forward from there. I don't. I haven't watched them a whole lot in football, but I don't know. I know that they wanted to, you know, get some Eastern type market. I don't know who else was out there available, but you know, I would love to have seen maybe like someone like Syracuse or something like that. If if you're uh, not missing anything by not watching them in football, so don't worry about that. And yeah, they have done a nice job building up the basketball program. They should be better next year with some of the talent they're bringing in, but. Uh, you know, Jeff's excited this time of year. He walks around. He's got his Michigan flag folded up, and it was over his shoulder when I came in. Clearly, he's picked Michigan to win the tournament in his bracket. He's all homered up. Terry, what's your thoughts on the tournament this year and what you're seeing so far? Well, I mean, I'm loving what I'm seeing right now. <laughs> um, you know, I'm with Jeff 100%. I mean, I got Michigan to win it all myself, and uh, it's an exciting time of the year for one. I mean, that this is kind of – what you live for. I mean, you can't fast forward through the season. You've got to do your body of work to, to get to this stage. But uh, this is the fun, exciting time of the year. What's it like the, the first the first game? You know, you get into the tournament and it's that's it. Nothing else matters from beforehand. What's it like when you first walk on the court? Well, you know what? It, it's a di- different atmosphere for one. And, and I'm sure that, you know, guys, when they first step on there, you know, you kind of get the jitters, especially if you're a favorite team. You know, and I always tell people that, 
you know, you can be a favorite coming in here, and if you don't take care of business, all of a sudden the whole arena will switch on you, and it'll be like being at a road game because this, to me, is a underdog type of tournament, you know, where they would love to see the underdogs get the win. You know, I'm sitting up here watching Virginia and Gardner-Webb right now, and Gardner-Webb is giving Virginia all they want right now, I think up six at half, and you would almost think that, you know, Gardner-Webb is playing a home game right now the way the crowd is cheering for him. Everybody loves a winner, Terry. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from a Rutgers crowd. <laughs> uh, look, uh, people don't jump on my bandwagon that much there. But, I mean, no, like, you saw it yesterday. with, And the interesting thing is, like, yesterday you have a, a game like Murray State where you got the 12 seed, but even the, the lower seeds in the tournament now, the talent pool seems so much deeper once you get off those top-name schools in the tournament now. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, I, I think when you start talking about the mid-majors and things like that, I mean, those guys are, are more than willing and able to come in and knock off a big team. I don't think it's too much of a fall-off as far as the talent level is concerned. I just think that, you know, in some of those conferences, you only have just a, a one-bit uh, team that's coming out of those conferences. But uh, those conferences definitely can't compete. And, you know, when you schedule them during the course of the year, this is not anymore where you just come in, pick up a check, and leave. You know, a lot of those teams are trying to – come in, pick up that check, and also get the win also. Being part of a non-Power 5 school now, I would assume that it's not as big a difference as it was back in the day that we were in school because there's so many games on television. Yeah, I would agree with you 100% because now you've got kids because of games just coming on TV uh, so much, you know, with different teams you know, kids are, are, are easily can go to uh, a Gardner Web or, you know, uh, or Rutgers for, for sake, you know, because those type of games are going to come on TV now, where as back in the day, just like you said, if it wasn't the University of Michigan, if it wasn't Syracuse or Kentucky, then those games weren't going to be televised. So I just think that, you know, the way TV has expanded and, and the way games come on right now that, you know, kids easily can say, hey, I'm going to commit and I want to go here. Are you more of a chalk guy where the big names advance, or do you like to see the big upset out there where teams knock each other off and it's just chaos in the tourney? Well, I like to see a little of chaos, you know, as long as Michigan is not involved in it, of course. <laughs> you, know, uh, um, you know, I'm one of those those guys also that, you know, you kind of cheer for the underdog, you know. I mean, you're watching Gardner Webb, and the only thing you can say while you're watching it is, can that team hang on? You know, uh, is, is Virginia a little maybe hung over from last year? You know, so it, it's one of those type of things. And like I say, it's, it's an underdog tournament, and people love to, you know, see the underdog and, you know, upset a big team so that they could say, hey, I told you so. You know, there's not that much of a gap in between, and everybody seems to be playing their best basketball at this time of year. How challenging is it for a team like LSU who's had the challenges with their coach in terms of the the allegations against him? He's suspended right now. How difficult is that for them to, to go on and play now? Well, from, I'm speaking from experience. I would say that that's a very dangerous team right now because uh, – we went through something similar to that in uh, at Michigan when uh, Coach Bill Frieder had decided to go to Arizona State. We were kind of, 
you know, left in limbo, not knowing what to do or, or how to handle the situation. And sometimes that will just make your focus just be just on basketball. It's just us, us against the world type of thing. So LSU is a very, very dangerous team in my book because of uh, the situation and what they've gone through right now. And uh, probably one of those teams that you don't want to see no time soon. You touched a little bit on Virginia having possibly a hangover. Virginia de- is now down at, at halftime again after going through probably the biggest upset in tournament history last year. What is it about Virginia in particular that is making it so hard for them? I know this year they have more scoring than they certainly did last year, but why is it that they're having this struggle again? Now it's only the end of the first half, but they're struggling and they're behind to Gardner-Webb. Yeah, well, well, Virginia, because of the style they like to play, you know, they like to kind of slow it down. Uh, it favors a lot of other teams that if you can get off to a fast start and get them down and make them work to get back into the game because Virginia is not going to come down and just start jacking up shots. That's not their style of play. You know, they want to, you know, use five to ten passes and, you know, set a lot of screens and stuff like that. So, that gives teams uh, a chance, you know, especially if you can build a lead early in the game. But trust me, they won't go away. You know, they're, they're thinking in the back of their minds of what has happened last year, and uh, they're just trying to get over that and go forward. I mean, if they could just get, you know, out of round one, you know, <laughs> sometimes round one is, is the hardest round, and, and you get a scare, and that could, you know, kind of catapult you the rest of the way. Well, you were Final Four. you were a leader on that 1989 team. If if that if this were you and you were going into that locker room at halftime as a player on Virginia, what would you be saying to your teammates at this point that we can say on air? Well, well, yeah, I, exactly. I love that caveat that he added right there for you, Terry. Yeah, maybe the PG version. Because yeah. I'm sure that uh, you know we're not able to see you know the coolers being tipped over and things like that from a motivational standpoint. But just basically telling the guys, you know hey, don't worry about it. You know, right now this team is, is hot right now, you know, and it's a tale of two halves, you know. You've seen a lot of the underdog teams lead going in and half, and then all of a sudden, you know, you run your offense and, and do the things that you need to do and clean up, you know, giving up second shots and, you know, talking on defense and things like that. I just think that, you know, Virginia right now is looking around like they've never seen some of these defenses or some of these offenses. So, Got to hold each other accountable, and I think they'll be okay. How is that possible that they can get to the tournament here and seemingly not be prepared and, and look like they haven't seen that? I mean, is that a is that a coaching issue, or, or what's the what's the challenge there? No, I'm not going to say it's a coaching issue. It's just that uh, the familiarity. I mean, um, it's not like you're you're running a gauntlet of playing teams in your conference that you're very familiar with playing okay. against. Right now, that you're playing against a team that. You know, you, you don't know a whole lot about. You don't know what their tendencies are. And all of a sudden, you've got to learn that on the fly. So, you know, I think that they've got to know, you know, know the personnel. You know, know, know who's the shooters, know who's the guys that wants to score inside, know the guys that want to pick and pop, know the guys that want to roll to the basket. So getting familiar like that and getting prepared in a short notice, sometimes that uh, that helps the other teams underdog. There's another upset. UC Irvine beats K-State, so down goes the number four seed there, Jeff. There goes somebody's bracket. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so Terry, just one, one more question. with regard, You're a Big Ten guy. Um, what is it? It's early in the tournament. Well, what is it about the Big Ten that is making them successful early on in this tournament? Well, I think that a, a lot of teams that, that the Big Ten may be facing 
you know, the Big Ten Conference kind of, you know, gives you a little bit of this and a little bit of that, you know. So, you know, yesterday's game with Montana, you know, no one really plays five yards. So that was kind of an unfamiliarity to, to Michigan. But I would put them in probably a frame of mind of Ohio State when Caleb Wesson is not in the game. So those type of things, you know, you can look at like different teams that because they're all different in the Big Ten in some way. You know, like some are, are teams that, that rebound like, like crazy, like Minnesota. So I just think that whole gauntlet through the Big Ten, it, it, it kind of sets you up for the tournament. All right, well, now I want you to make me feel better. Um, does Michigan have the depth to get through this tournament? I believe they have the depth to get through this tournament. You know, I think that you, you're going to have to eventually see some guys step up. Of course, we need to stay out of foul trouble. But, uh, you know, I think that, you know, if, if time permits itself and it has to, I think these guys are prepared. And, uh, you know, just know that you got to play at a very high level, you know, at, at this time of the year because – you know, teams are going to come at you, you know. So when it boils down to those 50-50 balls or, or loose balls or, or steals, deflections, those things, the little things, are going to win you ball games from here on out. Terry, you just put a very big smile on Jeff's face. He feels like Michigan has a chance now. So uh, we look forward to catching up with you again and always appreciate the time that you give it breaking us down with us. I, I appreciate you guys having me on. You Thanks have a great lot, one. Terry. All right. Jeff, always fun. I, you know, I do hate it, though, when I steal your questions that you want to ask. I feel, <laughs> I do feel bad about that. Yeah, I'm sitting here waving my arms. I wanted to ask about LSU. I, I, I thought I, when we talked about it, you liked the way that I was going to ask yeah, it, so you told right. me to. But uh, then I realized part of the way through that that was not the way you planned for it to go. <laughs> <laughs> so here's my concern about LSU. You know, I didn't even think about the whole issue. The, the that parallel that, with that, Yeah, that with, that with Michigan. That's not why I, I wanted to ask it. My curiosity more is with the coach has been suspended for allegedly being caught on a wiretap talking about how much to pay a player. The player that he allegedly is talking about is playing. is playing and is one of their better players, if not their best player. And he's the fact that he's playing interests me because if you have this supposed wiretap, why would the player be playing? Because you have every chance of having that taken away, those wins taken away. Why would you risk that when there's an active, supposed federal investigation going on? I, your your guess is as good as mine. I did find his answer fascinating because I did not think of the parallel. You know, I, you always remember that it was a different coach that coached them, but that how that came about is, is yeah, yeah and, and I can give you just I mean as, as a little background on that I was there when that happened I mean I was actually in the building when Bo Schembechler was the athletic director as well or the acting athletic director as well as the football coach at that time and he didn't particularly like Bill Frieder to begin with and asked him whether or not it was true that he was interviewing with one of the Arizona schools as they were about to enter the tournament and Bill Frieder apparently wouldn't give him an answer, and Bo said, you're fired. <laughs> and this was literally days before they were going into the NCAA tournament, so and Steve, they were not a favorite. So you, Steve Fisher ends up Yeah, an assistant him. coach who I don't believe ever had any head coaching experience came in, and his first, I believe it was his first six games ever coaching in an NCAA level, 
he won the national championship. And, and people forget that that Michigan team was not a number one or number two seed at the time. I believe they were a number six seed, but I'm not Yeah, I remember that final sure. when they played Seton Hall. I, I remember that game vividly for some reason. I wasn't a Michigan fan. I wasn't really even a Seton Hall fan. I, I do as well. And if you remember the last time we had Terry on, he talked about whether I was one of those people that they needed to grease the polls for. But it, that was not true. You, you will be this year. Don't yes. worry. All but right, let's, but let's, so what do we do? What do we do about this bracket issue for the people out there? How do how do you fix the anteaters? A number thirteen seed beating Kansas State. You don't. You pry, <laughs> cry that everybody else. You hope that everybody else had so the same my problem. Solution right? Next year, I think is just going to be that I'm not going to pick a bracket because then I won't be disappointed when I'm eliminated see, on so day one. Th- <laughs> see, so that's what I was going to do this year. I had decided that I was not going to do a bracket, and I, and I actually want to blame this on a minor league baseball team of all teams. So the Williamsport Crosscutters said that they were going to have a bracket. I'm sure they're going to appreciate you tossing them under the bus on the radio. No, I. So it's their we, fault that you can't pick good games. No, so I said, like if you would have picked well, you so wouldn't I, have minded I, I it. I thought, as you know, as as guys that cover the Phillies minor league system, that it might be a good idea to to, to help participate. So I had high hopes enter a bracket. Oh, so now it's our fault with. The oh baseball yeah, show. You're, you're going down with I'm me, going, and, uh, and just just so we're clear, you picked all the losers, and I picked all the. Winners. I didn't pick anything. <laughs> I'd like to point that out, and you haven't even seen how bad my bracket is. No, yet, my, so. my look, I've gotten to the point now where I don't play to win. I play to sit there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I I. I every Every the last three years, I just pick my alma mater. If now if Pitt made it, I would put them in there too. But Brett, I'm going to need you to cut out that <laughs> audio of just Jeff saying I don't play to win. That's I'm going right. to need that as a drop occasionally uh-huh. that I can. I want to be into the show. You know me well enough to know that it is, that it is my thing to be able to cheer. You like the journey. You no, don't play to, to win. To cheer with a pure heart. That's why I don't like fantasy football. Is because it if it causes you to root for cowboys who you have to you are, take on your you team. You're making stuff. me laugh very so much. So I I now just do a bracket that Michigan wins. <laughs> I know I'll be out of it at some point, just and if I win, keep then dig- I win. Keep digging, Jeff. Yeah, just just keep digging. Don't worry about it. All right. So any other thoughts on the bracket so far? Upsets left and right going on first day. Well, Colgate's putting up a fight against. Uh, Tennessee, it's 47-41, and I did not expect that to be Are close. you going to be paying attention to the show with me? Are you just going to watch? No, as a matter of fact, game? why don't you just talk, and every once in a while I'll chime in with scores, like UVA's down 36 So is that how 30, I get yeah. you off the show? I just have you watch scores you, the whole you, time? you know what? The so, first week of the tournament, that's how you get more talk time. Uh, I think I don't know if I mentioned in the interview. <laughs> Ten seeds are 3-1 and one in the tourney this year. But it's not equating to ratings so far. Ratings were down over last year. See, here you go. You have to bring up the ratings. I do, because I think it's important. That's Look, let's be honest. Money drives this, and their television contract is the reason that there's true TV that has basketball games on it. So if ratings are down, that may change it. So, yes, I talk about the ratings. How about if true can be spelled properly? How's that for an idea? All right, get off my lawn. Ratings (laughs) are low, but everyone talks about March Madness. Well, I think it's that there weren't that many big games and upsets last night, so in prime time it didn't really do as well. As the tournament goes on, I think it'll do better. Maybe but last ratings year are, was a low. Maybe ratings are down because people can't find the games on their televisions. Did maybe. you ever think of that? Why don't you call them? Tell them. No. Maybe they care. Just don't put the games I want to watch on True TV. Your thoughts on the turnover of coaches in this city this week, Jeff. Temple lost in the first four. Well, one one was voluntary. Brand Dunphy is gone. Uh, End of the season. He had his swan song tour all season. They knew that was happening. 
Bill Martelli, on the other hand, way too soon, seems to not have seen it coming well, even though it seems like there were conversations during well, let, the let's season. let's do one at a time first fran dumphy fran fran should in my opinion should have never left penn now you're entitled to do what you want you can play you wanted he wanted to play in a bigger pool um the problem is fran was a legend for what he did at penn and was a great college basketball coach maybe a hall of fame basketball coach but he was going to a program in the same city where you were going to follow a legend legend. It's always hard to follow Cheney, the legend. Right? So it was going to be impo- – it was an impossible task for him to do that. And he did a good job at Temple, but he did a great job at Penn. And it it was time for him. He decided he wanted to retire. This was – I don't think they pushed him out, but Temple is, I think, in a great position now. So you think Aaron McKee's in good shape? I absolutely do because Aaron McKee has pro coaching experience. He was on the bench with the Sixers. He has pro experience as a player. He'll be able to relate to today's player. He is the Temple brand. Exactly. I, I think – He has w- connections to the Cheney era. Yeah, and I, I think we should – Try to have Aaron on as soon as possible because I think that you should he's probably talk be... about that before we talk about it on the air, so that you can make sure that you get it. Uh, I think that we'll <laughs> we'll be talking to Aaron because I I think that he's not only done a great job in his profession that he's one of those off the court guys. Yeah, and I think for Temple he's going to be great. He's now, never forgot where he came from. Exactly, which is, which is the cool thing. And about he's just him. A, he seems like a good guy, and and I think that it they're good. Temple's going to be a top twenty five yeah, temp- team. Temple two alums years. seem very excited about yeah. what that future may hold for them. Now St. Joe's, the issue with St. Joe's is I've always thought that the year that they made the Final Four was something of an anomaly. Jameer Nelson and that entire team was an amazing team, but it's St. Joe's and there's Villanova and then there's Temple. And then you're going to have LaSalle that's going to have a good year every four or five years. And you're going to have St. Joe's, but you're not going to have them year to year in the NCAA tournament. And Phil Martelli is such the face of that school, not just that program to have him leave and to have him leave in what on what appears to be not the best of terms is disappointing because I would want if I was the president of St. Joe's I would want him around in some capacity going forward for as long as he walks the face of this earth yeah this morning I heard him say it's gone from a place that he thought was family to just another job right which you can tell that he's hurting I was surprised that if they were going to make this decision that they didn't announce it sooner in the season so that he could get a swan song going out and the farewell accolades that Fran Dunphy and others get when they've put in so much into the city. I, I hope Phil gets another shot somewhere. Seems like he's going to look for that. But he does it, not seem ready to retire. But it, But as a member of the Philadelphia community, it would be sad to see him go somewhere else because he's done so much off the court as well as on the court. Definitely. All right. Let's leave the tournament and college basketball there. Jeff, on the sports roulette wheel, uh, you want to go Phillies or stick with basketball and go Sixers? Sixers. Sixers. All right. Yeah. Sixers have won six in a row, longest streak in the NBA. They're 47 and 25 on the season. 29 and nine home record is yep. fifth best in the None league. None of that matters. You know no? what matters? What matters? Is that in the last week, they beat the Celtics finally. And they went up to the number one team in the East and beat them too. 
They did. And that's a good week. They now have a four game lead over the Celtics. And the thing that's really important is this team is seven and one when they're starting lineup plays. And yeah. all together. When we did the show last week, we were talking about they only played 83 minutes together. So now they're up to 135 minutes together. Mm-hmm. Their net rating is plus 17.5. Their offensive rating, they average 119.3 points a game. Their defense, they average giving up 101.7 points a game. Their opponents are only shooting 44% against that starting lineup. Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah, it, but it's the rest of the group that's a problem. The bench is a problem. Yeah, they it, they are not scoring the way that they're capable of scoring. Mike is, Mike Scott has kind of come on of late. So and is I've James been Ennis. Yeah, he's Jonathan Simmons has disappeared, and I don't think he's getting any time. Yeah, anymore. he he seems firmly supplanted on the bench. And uh, Jonah Bolden is who now was, with the Bluecoats yeah. tonight. He'll be in the starting lineup for the Bluecoats. Who. Mm-hmm. Look, if you're looking for something to do, it's their final two games tonight. You can go down to the Fieldhouse, fun atmosphere, and they've got basically a future partial NBA roster down there with Zaire Smith and Shake Milton, and um, Jonah's playing down there. They've got Jared Brownridge, who can shoot the lights out from yeah, three. Rashad Vaughn. So, I mean, they, they've got you, something Norvell good to see Powell in their last weekend back. If, you're, if you're looking to see that. But, yeah. but Jonah, and we talked about this on our regiment show, is now down with the Bluecoats, and Justin Patton was recalled to the Sixers, and it seems like... They want to give him every opportunity to be that second or third guy off the third bench guy. behind the center. They yeah, want I mean, Boban to be the two right. who comes off the bench mm-hmm. and at the center and then him to sort of be the backup to the backup. You know, you'd look at Boban, you wouldn't expect him to be the guy that provides the energy off the bench, but he's he is an energetic guy and him being on the court is is entertaining and, and he does things that very few players can do. Little cross promotion too, if you are interested. Future Sixer Zaire Smith. We had a 10 minute sit down with him at the facility in Delaware that aired last night on our regiment show. You can catch that on our website, bluecoatsregiment.com. Uh, Soft spoken guy, but you can you can tell he's he's got heart to play hard, Jeff. Yeah, and, he, and he's had an interesting journey from his family to Texas Tech, uh, who also was in the tournament. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, other thoughts on what you're seeing with the Sixers right now? And Texas Tech won, by the way. Did they? Yes. Okay. They beat Northern Kentucky by 15. Okay. Yeah. So Uh, as long as you had that, your bracket's safe on that side. Other thoughts on what you're seeing from this Sixers team right now? They, um, out of their next six games, the only team that they're going to play with a winning record are the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, By the way, did you see that coming? That they would be, no. That the Nets would be a playoff. The, The Nets are. I think secure in yeah, and and they're way ahead of the ninth team. So there's a likelihood that this Brooklyn Nets team that you would have thought was left for waste, and remember, Karis Levert was hurt a large part of the year. Somehow, this team has played very, very well. They have. Um, they've they've definitely exceeded all expectations in terms of what people thought. Tomorrow night they play at the Atlanta Hawks at seven thirty. Then they play at Orlando at 7 p.m. on Monday night. I think they're going to give Embiid any more maintenance days here. Yes, I do. Um, and in these games, now remember we we talked about this last year at the end of the year, and I asked Brett Brown that question, and he he was very defensive about saying that no, I'm not giving more rest than is necessary. Well, I but, think the difference is that Embiid seems more receptive to it this year. Last year, Embiid didn't seem to want to be willing to sit down, and this mm-hmm. year. You know, maybe he's seen the the wear and tear on his body, but he has been dominant lately. His final line the other night against Boston was 41 minutes, 37 points, 22 rebounds. Uh, it, it's 
in his last two games, he's put up 77 points, 37 rebounds, and 10 assists. He's the first NBA player with those stats over two games since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1972, Jeff. Former like, guest of ours. Like you're, you're putting yeah. him in rare company with some of the stats that he is putting up right now. Yeah, but I think it also he, – he's a great player, but the entire first line – complements each other for the most part very very well look jj smith jj reddick is playing incredibly well all of a sudden again defense too and getting 10 rebounds in a game who saw that coming no and here's the other thing jimmy butler has figured out that we need him on the court and to shoot the ball every once in a while even though he waits till the fourth quarter can we talk about that for a second so your thoughts on him coming out after the game bizarre I was tired. Just get me to the fourth quarter to Joel Embiid, and I'll handle it. Something to that effect. Uh, I, I, I could have done without it. him admitting yeah. that publicly. But he played in that fourth quarter the way that you wanted to see when you acquired Jimmy Butler. Right, but I don't think it was I'm saving my energy to the fourth quarter because there was a point in that game it looked like a lost cause. You could you can't just not play for three quarters and then say in the four, get me to the fourth quarter. They try sometimes, and I'll turn it on. They try sometimes, Jeff. The thing that's frustrating about the Sixers is that they, they don't seem to be able to blow out a team. No. They Early don't, in the season, they could. They don't get those chances to rest guys in-game because of the size of the lead. It stays close enough mm-hmm. that their stars need to stay on the court in right. some part of a rotation. Um where do you stand right now? It, it looks like if things can continue, they're four games up on the Celtics for the three spot right now. Where you'd hope they'd be, unlikely they'll get to the well, two spot. Well, you you skipped Indiana, which is ahead of Boston. They are so, but that would mean that Indiana would play Boston in the first round, right? Well, which is okay. Look, now, the the most important thing for the playoffs is that the Sixers have the three seed. I know they beat the Celtics the other day. No, I don't want to see them play this. I do not want to see them play them until they absolutely have to. Plus, it's and, a very physical series against them. Right. And so I want the three seed because I don't want to see Indiana. I don't want to see Boston. And the team that you play if you're in the three seed is likely Detroit. Okay. Now, now keep in mind, Brooklyn is only a game back of Detroit Who for that spot. Who would you prefer to play, Brooklyn or Detroit? Detroit. Why? Because I just don't see Detroit as a really good team. Brooklyn's got something this year that's working for them. I don't see superstars on the Brooklyn team, but I see a team, and they seem to play well together. And they've kind of given the Sixers some fits when they've played them this year. I, I would not be surprised if we're sitting in the last two minutes against Brooklyn later you know, next week to see that the last two minutes this game is real tight and it's not a decisive game again. Yeah, me either. I, I don't think they're going to blow them out at all. And let's face it. Embiid is renting space inside Drummond's head. Oh, without a doubt. Right? So so the, that would be a fun series. to. If you're going to have a, an ideal first series, I think that they handle Detroit probably in five games, possibly four, and that it's entertaining because Embiid is going to make Drummond so frustrated that <laughs> it, it, there, you might have an incident that's even worse than Keith Smart shoving him to the other day. Or Mar Smart. Yeah. See, we, we both can mix, mix up mix yeah. up names. Don't worry about that. Well, Keith, uh, Keith Smart was made He hit that the Indiana shot. shot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, why don't we leave the basketball talk there? Let's head to break. When we come back, we'll talk some Phillies. And he's running a little bit late, but Philadelphia Union midfielder Brendan Aronson will be calling us sometime in the second segment to catch us up on uh, his elite, his intro's goal uh, starting for the game uh, last week in Atlanta tying things up for them and his journey from a local South Jersey boy to playing for the Philadelphia Union. Stick with us.
Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, I know you're always ready to talk some baseball, so I shouldn't sure. ask you ready to talk yep. some baseball. Uh, we base- got the Phillies versus the Yankees tonight. They are playing tonight. Yeah. The season opener is under one week from today, Jeff. The Philly season Philly opener. Season. That's right. The it Mariners and A's already played two games in and Japan. And you were up. You were awake and tweeting. Well, for it was those actually games. in the morning. I know. You. I saw your tweets. So, I got them. Uh, well, out. I found that that was actually, if you're going to start the season abroad, that was a great way to start it because you, you now you can't figure you're going to be able to do this kind of stuff every year. Ichiro, who is an international star who started his career amazingly in, in Japan, decided to play with the Mariners for two games and then retire in Japan. Yeah, that was cool. And at the same Though time... Though I do, I do have somebody who isn't a baseball fan who goes, yeah. how messed up is it that he's going to retire after two games into the season? <laughs> no, it, it, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and then you also had on the Mariners a, a pitcher from Japan who was pitching his first major league game. In Japan. And did it in Japan. Yeah. You couldn't have asked for a better setup. Now, from the Philly standpoint, I will tell you that Domingo Santana was once a big Phillies prospect and was traded in the Hunter Pence trade. He had a grand slam. He did. Yeah. Any other Phillies prospects or Phillies doing anything? In that group, no. Crawford's down in AAA now though, for them, right? You're not going to see me lose any sleep over But he's, he's, in, he's not on Yes, the he team. will not be on the opening day roster, or he was not on the opening day roster. All right, well, let's talk about the Phillies' opening day roster and what we're seeing with them. They are on mm-hmm. the cover this week of Sports Illustrated Regional Major League Baseball preview. Jeff, uh, do you hate the I'm cover hol- curse? I'm holding my head for those that obviously Did you see say. the picture? Yeah. It's the oddest picture. Aaron Nola is looking off into nowhere. <laughs> Everybody else is looking forward, and it's like they played a prank on Nola and said, look at the camera on the side. Well, he's not exactly um, the guy who goes out and seeks attention from the media, so they probably did have to trick him into taking the photo. It was just the oddest makeup of a picture. They set a new spring training record for attendance with the St. Patrick's Day game. Uh, Bryce Harper is now hitting home runs. Jeff, can everybody relax? And well, he's two in one game, but everybody hit a home run in that game. <laughs> everybody did hit yeah. a home run. And in Real that Muto game. had his fourth home run. Is he going to be the biggest move that this franchise made for the long run? I know that Harper it got possibly- the contract, but he the what he the impact that he is going to have on the games, both behind the plate, calling the game on the bases with runners there, and his impact at the plate. I don't know. 
if you ask me who's going to have the biggest impact over the la- in the next three years, I would say that it's going to be Real Muto uh, because of his position. The life of the contract. Yeah, there's going to be a time when it's harder and harder for him to catch. By that time, the they'll have amount. the DH in the National League. <laughs> <laughs> From your lips. To, um, but you also have Hoskins at first base, so there's really no place for him to move. So it catchers his spot. Obviously, Harper's the longer-term con- contract. You know my concern with that. It's not him. It's the shift. Can we now put to rest the people who said, don't go after Harper, wait for Trout? Like me? Yeah. Can we put that to rest now that Trout is not leaving? No, because because what I was suggesting, which was at the end of last season, is that they should have put together a ridiculous package, which would have included but what six that, once Sanchez that, back once that then. Didn't happen. The people who said don't sign Harper, wait for Trout. Well, that I that said wasn't that, you. No, because I but, said they could sign. But both. The, the people who who sort of did that of uh, wait for Trout. Well, he's not going anywhere. He's with the Angels. $430 million over the next 10 years. Could they just give him the team instead of paying him? Artie Moreno. Kind of like the Penguins Artie did Artie Moreno with only paid like $230 million for, for the Pujols? team. No, for the team. Yeah, but he then, bought the but team. Then, but then remember, he signed Pujols at the end, basically at the end of his career to a long-term deal. Well, that was, was an albatross for them. Yeah. But I don't think that the Trout contract is, is going to be that for them. He's no. going to be very productive. No, if you look if you look at his numbers compen- commensurate with the numbers of Barry Bonds at the same point, it is amazing how good he is. Pre Barry taking things or Yeah, well Barry Bonds was well, I don't know <laughs> what he took allegedly and went but he was when he was skinny Barry Bonds with the Pirates skinny is Barry what Bonds. I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. Can we talk pitching for a sec on on For Tuesday? the Phillies? Yeah, on Tuesday Nick Pavetta gave up 3 home runs on yeah. 3 hits. But in five innings, he racked up eight strikeouts and had electric stuff. And is going to be their he, second pitcher. He's working on a changeup mm-hmm. to add to his fastball and curveball. How do you feel about Nick Pavetta being basically the th- number three right now going into the season with Arietta as your two and Nola I'm cool as with your it. one? I, I don't have any problem with it at all. I mean, and by the way, they got him for virtually nothing. Yes. Do you know what they got? What they traded for him? No, but you'll tell. I me. believe it was Papelbon. Oh, so good. Yeah. See how Bryce Harper feels about that. Uh huh. <laughs> um, give me my weekly Vinny Velasquez PSA, Jeff. You really want me to do this? Yes, I do. All right. Tell so, me why. So Vinny pitched yesterday. Why does this nightmare and, and, keep and, continuing? And he pitched three point one innings, gave up five hits, three runs, three walks, and nine strikeouts. And he gave up one run the first time through the lineup. The disaster happened the second time through the lineup. Vinny Velasquez, which is Billy's w- opener. W- well, so here we go. Is is Vinny going to be the first opener for this team, or is he going to become part of the closer by committee that Gabe's got going? Because he cannot. He is not a starting pitcher. He can't. He doesn't have the repertoire to go through a lineup multiple times. So if not Vinny, and they don't, you know, Klintak seemed to indicate they're not going to make any more acquisitions before the start of the season. Right. What's your, what? who fills out your four and five? If, Eflin and Zykoff. Okay, and you feel comfortable with that? Yeah. Okay. I think Eflin is a very good pitcher. And who's uh, your he's first not a guy star. Up, Who's your first guy up from Lehigh Valley? Ooh, there's so many. Is it you, Cole, you, or is it Ranger? Or? or De Los Santos, or Drew Anderson. Drew Anderson was just sent down to camp. Right. So so you have plenty of guys that could fill that role and be a, keep in mind it's nobody's got a great fifth starter. So any of these guys are capable of 
filling that spot, I think, ably. If you if you're saying is he going to be a number one or number two pitcher, probably not. But a lot of those guys have big league potential. Drew Anderson clearly has it if he can keep things together. I still think Cole Irvin has it. I certainly think that Ranger can do it in games, but I don't think that he's a long-term answer. And I still believe that the the next guy up after that, who by the end of the season might be the first next guy up, is Jojo Romero if he stays healthy. There, that's your guy, Jojo to the gym. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, and he's a, I just want a southpaw in this rotation somewhere. That's not going to happen. It's the Phillies. They don't put left. Well, Cole, in, Cole is. They don't put left-handers in their rotation. You, think, Cole. You can't, I've never seen a team that has gone this long without having a left-handed starter. Well, you can listen to all the guys coming up as we debut our second season of our High Hopes Phillies minor league rundown next Thursday night, starting at six o'clock. Uh, the Reading season starts the week after that, I believe, Jeff. So yeah, by we're the getting into it. Here's another two guys that, well, at least one of them by the end of the season, I wouldn't be surprised if people are talking about Connor Siebel, who we talked to while we were down at spring training. We'll have an interview with him. And and, and by the way, not only did we have an interview with him, it was more fun when we, when I handed the microphone over to Kyle Young, who's, who's the seven footer. And had them interview each other, and they have very different perspectives Which do, on baseball. Which did you enjoy more, them interviewing each other or him standing next to me reaching down so I could try and reach the mic up to them, him? Them interviewing each other. Because okay. it's, it's an interesting perspective that the two of them have because they come from different places. Connor Siebold is a California pitcher who got to pra- practice year-round and went to college first. And Kyle Young is a guy from New York who couldn't practice year-round, at least not outside, and went straight from high school. And and please, when we when we air it, listen to that, because as funny as they were, there are clear differences between the the way they address baseball and life. There's definitely a fun tension yeah. between people who take different paths to get Yeah, I mean, we, look, we got the guys as they were, they, they had an early day off and they were nice enough to come over and talk to us, but... Um, they, they were they hang out together, and it, and it's interesting to see these guys. I always think it's interesting that they, when they're in college, they have years together in high school. They have years together to get to know each other. These guys get together for spring, and then they all split up and go their different ways. And it's interesting to see the dynamics of who's hanging out with who. You have a pretty strong opinion on Scott Kingery right now. Share it with me. I think Scott Kingery should be sent to the minors to start the season. And I know Is that they because s- you want to interview him when we go to Lehigh Valley. No, I <laughs> just I, checking. Self-interest. I, I think that it is best for him and the organization that he start the year playing every day at a position. Instead, what's going to happen to Scott has not, he did not play well last year. He did, has not played great in spring training and he was batting, I believe below 200 before he went two for three the other day. Um, He's not hitting with power, After which he has going capable. Two, two for three yesterday, his batting average is up to two thirty nine this right. spring. So, and and he doesn't have a position, so it's going to be Gabe struggling to find regular at bats for him in the infield, as opposed to him starting the season playing every day, getting into a groove, and then bringing him up. <laughs> I think that's how. Now it's hard. He played in the major leagues last year. Sending him down, you don't know how he'd react to it. But let's all remember, even Roy Halladay was sent down to the minor leagues, and he came up and became a Hall of Famer. So I'm not suggesting for those out there that Scott Henry will go down and become a Hall of Famer. I'm suggesting that he needs to be able to do this job every day 
develop a vibe, develop a routine, do well, and then bring him up. You going to the Phillies home opener? No. No? For the first time in a long time. I was going to say, you're yeah. a regular home opener guy. Mm-hmm. You're going to miss not being there? I'll be, I'll be there a couple days later. I just have uh, another event that I You'd have to You'd be like to streaming do. it on your phone while you're in a meeting or something, listening uh, to the audio. The, M- the MLB at bat is on the front page of my phone. Always has been. It's, I think it's the best sports app, by the way. It is a very good app. Um, any thoughts on, they sort of made some roster moves. Looks like Andrew Knapp will stick on as the backup catcher. Relevant at all to the team? I think it's a good move. I mean, I was a little worried that they were going to have Butera as the backup catcher, but I don't think he was the answer. Knapp has certainly batted well in spring training, and I think his catching has been much better. Yeah, he's definitely yeah. had a had a good spring when you look at it. Anything else coming out of Philly's spring training right now as they head towards the Yankees game tonight? And I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the final outfield roster. Because, I mean, you have Harper, obviously, and McCutcheon playing every day, and then you have your center fielder. So, and that'll be Oduble as long as he's healthy. Now, everybody should know Roman Quinn and Althea are out of options, which means unless you're going to, Roman will start the, the, on the DL, but then you have Nick Williams, and I have a worry about how Nick Williams would react to going to the minor leagues. So you think that Altera gets moved at some point? Either that or Nick Williams gets moved. All right, let's leave the Phillies talk there and, and bring on Local South Jersey boy and Philadelphia Union midfielder Brendan Aronson. Brendan, how you doing? Good. How are you? Ah, thanks so much for joining us. We're doing great. Yeah, uh, how exciting is this time for you? You you made your debut last week in front of an insane crowd of forty five thousand people watching a soccer game and scored a goal. And scored a goal. What <laughs> what is this experience like for you right now? No, yeah, I mean, I'm honestly kind of speechless, to be honest. Like, still, still, like, three days past the game. It's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just super excited. I'm just, I'm, I'm honestly, like, super grateful that the coaches put me on in that kind of situation and had that kind of confidence in me. And I'm just really thankful for that. You obviously dreamed of something like that for a long time. You sit back now a couple days later. Have you been able to take it in as your phone stopped blowing up from people texting you and calling and messaging? Yeah, I think it was like the first two days that it was really blowing up, and then after that, I started to calm down a little bit. I'm still getting congrats texts like once in a while. But yeah, it's, it really hasn't settled in yet. Like whenever I think about it, I'm just kind of like, wow. But like whenever I watch the video back when you're scoring, it's just kind of crazy. Oh, right. Sweet goal. So, so, Brendan, you're from Medford, New Jersey, which is a hop, skip, yeah. and a jump from Philadelphia. So mm-hmm. this week will be your first home game. Tomorrow, the, yeah. U- the Union play the Columbus crew, I believe, at, at mm-hmm, yeah. 7 o'clock. How yeah. many people have asked you for <laughs> tickets for tomorrow's game? <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. <laughs> so, um, my friends, actually, are going to go to the game. It's kind of nice. Uh, this will be actually some of their first soccer games, like pro soccer games. So it's pretty cool to have them go to one of their first odd games and watching me, which is awesome. So, how exciting! Just a, I would say a couple tickets. Like not like a lot, but a couple. Well, yeah. what what will be rowdier, the Sons of Ben section or the section with your friends from from back from Medford? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, honestly, my friends from Medford might be pretty rowdy. Today, but. <laughs> Jeff, might, Jeff might try and go sit with them then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So I was reading, uh, you know, obviously we want to make sure we know about you a little bit. And I found a a fun scout's take uh, on you who said that 
you have a pass-first mindset and a sharp attention to detail and a perfectionist approach. How do you view mm-hmm. that description of yourself? I mean, yeah, it's pretty spot on. I, I feel like it's pretty spot on because I'm pretty I'm a pretty unselfish player. I like to get everybody in the I don't really dribble too much. I just kind of like to make the team better as much as I can, if you know what I mean. Like I try to find that last pass again to the scoring chance. But still, I have that. I feel like I'm starting to get that eye for goal. I mean, as you could see in the Atlanta game. Uh, yeah, that's starting to get even better and better, and that's something I'm still working on. So, yeah, I think that's a pretty good impression of me. Uh, I am a perfectionist. I mean, I push myself really hard every single day. So, yeah, that's for sure a pretty good description of me. Brendan, not to put a lot of pressure on you, but um, yeah, yeah. You, you are part of this program that MLS set up to identify kids in the United States and kind of yeah. help them get to the MLS. Tell us a little bit about what that experience has been like and, and how you think, as someone who's gone through it, how you think that is impacting the game of soccer or do you call it soccer or football as somebody who was born <laughs> in the United States? Yeah, I still I still call it soccer. I mean, I watch a lot of European, like I'll watch soccer on European soccer on TV all the time. So say football, say soccer, it's either or really. But yeah, I mean, I came through the Philadelphia Union Academy since I was 13 years old. I mean, I've been there since I was like 11 and the academy started at 13. So it's realistic for every kid nowadays now. It's really realistic. You work hard every single day at training in the academy, and you work hard every single day, anything's possible. You're the sixth homegrown player that the union has had. You're the first homegrown player from New Jersey. How do you manage the pressure that's sort of been put on you with the spotlight that mm-hmm. you've had playing so close to where you're from? Uh, I don't really take it as pressure, I guess you can say. I just, I honestly just love playing soccer. It's just, it's honestly a dream come true waking up every single day and being able to go to training and kick a ball around every single day. It's just, like, really amazing. And, of course, you might feel a little pressure sometimes, but I just try and enjoy it as much as I can and try and play as well as I can. We like to ask athletes a lot about sports specialization. You're somebody who played soccer, lacrosse, and basketball growing up. How did it Mm -hmm. help you playing multiple sports growing up before you ultimately decided to go with soccer? I mean, it's always good being a multi-sport kid in the game, I think. Uh, it's honestly, I was a big basketball guy. I re- My dad was a big basketball player, so he got me into it. And I played for a few years, and I had a really good team when I was little. Like, the little Medford team was actually very good. So, uh, I mean, basketball, it's that little quick, little short, like, kind of, like, steps and, like, the little quickness of it. I feel like that kind of helped with the quickness part of my game. And I felt like basketball is probably the most influential in that kind of stuff. Just like little quick little steps, shifting side to side, just that kind of stuff. Brendan, what's it like playing uh, in front of Andre? <laughs> does it does it help yeah. the offense and does it help the defense having a goalie? I mean, last week's game, he made a couple amazing saves. What's oh, it yeah. like to play in front of him and know that you have that extra protection of a, of a great goalie? Yeah, I mean, Dre is unbelievable. I can't say it enough he is really like like having him back there makes everybody more feel more comfortable because we know he's going to come up in those big situations i mean like in the atlanta game there's joseph martinez hits a bike out of nowhere and there's Dre. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. he's just the kind of guy that you know will make that kind of save and it just really helps our defense out but we want to limit as like to the shots but having him back there 
and limiting the shots that he's probably going to save is really good. So, You've been with Jim Curtin, the current coach of the union, since you were much younger playing. How helpful has that been in terms of your transition, moving up against players with more experience that are a little bit older, to have him with you who really knows you well and can help fit you in and accentuate what you do best? Yeah, so I've known Jim since I was 12, 13 years old, and that was like kind of the first time I was joined the Union Academy. And I think it helps because, like, I think he knows my strengths and weaknesses since that age. I mean, it really should, like, as a player, sort of develop it as a, at a really young age. So he really he knows a lot about me and knows how I like to play and what I need to work on. So it's really helpful having him right there. And I think John said, you know, like, what I need to get better on, uh, how how was I in the game, asking questions like that. You had a tough decision to make this year. You you had the chance to go play at Indiana University, go to college, mm-hmm. decided to go pro and sign with the Union. What was that decision like for you? Yeah, I mean, and I can't say enough about Indiana University. It's, it's a fantastic school. Jeff, a fantastic Jeff's a Michigan doctor. guy, by the way. Sorry, he he's not. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jeff. I think I think you made the right decision. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough about the Indiana program. It really is unbelievable. I mean, I've seen how many champions have. Uh, Todd Yagley, that whole coaching staff, Roby, like, they're they're unbelievable guys, and they were a big role of me committing there in the first place. So, yeah, it was a really hard decision for my family because both my parents went to college, of course, so they American set of mind is you want to go to college, get your degree. But I thought about it hard, and, we thought about it as a family, and I just thought it was the right decision for me to go pro. And your father actually played soccer Division One in college at Monmouth. Mm-hmm. What was that like growing yeah. up with a, a dad who played? Did he coach you? Jeff coaches his son or has coached his yeah. son in the past. He's not really sure if he listens to him or not, but he's coached him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Obviously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brendan listens a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was that like, though, nah, yeah, to, I mean, to be around that? Yeah, so my dad has had a huge role in my life he's I can't I literally can't think of enough like it's unbelievable what he's done for me and his knowledge of the game has really helped me out I mean he's taught me from such a young age all the things about soccer and he just has a great knowledge of the game and I really can't think of him enough because he's been there through it all and he's just helped me so much so where are your parents going to be sitting are they going to be at the game or do they get too nervous yeah. that they can't watch <laughs> so I hear stories about my mom. She's always been like this. If I go into the tackle, she's oh, like, you know what I mean? Like, she gets all nervous. <laughs> but uh, my dad's kind of the opposite. Like, he wants me to get stuck in and stuff like that. But uh, they usually sit on, like, the balcony thing in, like, the club since they give us tickets for that. So they're usually up there watching the game. They come to all the games, which is awesome. Somebody in the communications team's going to have to put a video camera on your parents. That That's sounds right. like it could be very Or my mom, or my mom. Do it on my mom. <laughs> yeah, just, just have a, a camera. I'm, I'm sure she'll appreciate the fact that you just yeah, pointed yeah, that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so <laughs> you're, you're playing the Columbus Crew tomorrow. Uh, what, yeah. can, what can you tell us about what that game's going to be like and what we should look for from the Columbus Crew and what you're going to stop? Yeah, so Columbus is a really good team. I mean... For the past three or four years, they've been making playoffs and going far into playoffs. So they're a very good team. This international league kind of has broken them up a little bit. I think they're missing four to five players. And Zardes, Trap, they're better players. So they're going to be a little short. But they're very good defensively. And I think our whole game plan is to try and break them down defensively and 
get as many goals as we can because we as going forward they're not as great this year. I think they only have like two goals. So if we can defend well and get behind the defense, I think we're gonna have a great game. Well, we hope that fans go down and, and watch you guys tomorrow night. I know Jeff will be there cheering you on. And uh, awesome. We look forward to, to having you back on in the future and wish you the best thank of you, luck on this you. journey. Uh, yeah, congratulations you, so far on the success you've thank had. Thank you. Good luck, Brendan. Thank you yeah, so thank much. You, you have a great one. No, you're welcome. Yeah, you too. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Jeff, his excitement is cool. <laughs> I mean, you, can you imagine that? So here, here's what I the first thing that I saw when I, when I looked at him before last week when they said that he was going to play is what his birthday year was. Did that make you feel old, Jeff? Yeah. 2000. Because I thought about it. I knew we, the second I saw that and I put it in there as we As we were, he's, just so everybody knows, he's born in 2000. So the, the, the next generation of stars in a lot of these sports are now born after the millennium. Does that bother you? No, it doesn't bother <laughs> me. It, it's just amazing because I wanted to ask about New Jersey, and I realized he wasn't born when the New Jersey soccer team that nope. I was going to ask about. Yeah, I nope. was going to ask he about wouldn't the have Cosmos. Known anything about that? Yeah, because because I, as a kid, I went to Cosmos games, which had Paylight. Could I ask you? We have one yeah. minute left. Did uh-huh. you see? By the way, and um, we hope everybody goes down, checks out the Union. We'll definitely try and get Brendan down again before we go. Jeff, did you see what happened with the Arizona Diamonds pro- Diamondbacks prospect Alec Thomas? No. So he homered in a game where his dad was on the coaching staff for the White Sox playing in the game against them. Right. And so his dad's trying to like deadpan it, not giving like a smile or any attention. It was like right. his first homer in the in the league. And so he gets out of the dugout and he's like waving his hands to get his dad's attention <laughs> until he does. And then he gets a smile out of him and he's like cut it. The dad's like zip it. I thought you'd enjoy that though. You'll that, have to see the video. Awesome. We'll, we'll put that out. Um, it's been a fun show. Your last thoughts got about 30, 40 seconds before we leave, Jeff. Uh, I think we got to get off the air. Well, Villanova won, so that was good. They right? won yesterday, yeah, and so. you can catch their game, their next game tomorrow here on 610 ESPN. Ryan Lennox in studio with the team calling the game. And Buffalo is now beating Arizona State. So my last thoughts are, by the way, it's it's still the tournament before our show, during our show, or after the show. So it's time to go watch the tournament. You're going to go watch some more basketball, Jeff? Yeah. Well, Virginia <coughs> finally pulled ahead. It's 16. They? Yeah, they're up by 14 now. So. Oh, 14. Okay. So yeah. so, so John John Brazier is, yeah, that, is so safe. Our, our, our friends who are Virginia people will be a little bit, breathe a little sigh of relief. All right, Jeff, that? that's the last thought. Thanks so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night to help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.